So where are you? Your front porch. You're listening to CGSR 88.5. I'm Lucas Anders, your correspondent with Moving Radio. Today, we'll be diving into the legacy of the Scream franchise that turned 25 years old. The impact that it's had on pop culture is pretty incredible. It's changed the way you view cinema and TV, influencing, inspiring future slasher flicks after it. And today, I'm joined by super fan, future lawyer, and podcaster Ryan C. Showers of the Scream podcast, which delves a lot deeper into the themes and characters and what makes the franchise such an enduring one. He's often spoken to some of the creative minds behind the films. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you as well. Now, Ryan, I can say I've been a fan from the get-go, from the first time I saw it. My brother introduced me to Scream, brought the VHS home. I was in junior high, saw it. I remember being so excited about it. I spoofed it in English class in high school had fun imitating the ghost face. So I'm just wondering for you, why has the story resonated with you so much? And why do you think the wider audience gravitates towards a film like Scream? If I'm being honest, I think the magic and success of these movies has been not only, I mean, the movies are so many things, right? They are comedies, dramas, they're meta, they're self-referential. They talk about other horror movies. I think all of that is well and good. I think at the end of the day, these movies are whodunits and there's always a murder mystery the whole time, the plot um, and the fact that we have such amazing characters. The thing that makes Scream different is um, the fact that we follow the same three characters over five movies. And in specifically with Sydney, I would say Sydney and Gail, they're the key to the, the success of the franchise. I think that the franchise has done well and good to establish new characters as well in the, in the latest film. And I think those characters are just as well written and drawn as Sydney and Gail were back in the day. Really, it's the characters, in my opinion. So I ended up rewatching the films over the last week and just found myself smiling when I heard some of the tracks back in the film and the music. Do you feel like the music is a big part of the legacy of the franchise as well? Oh, my God. Yeah. Definitely. The music really is the identity of that original trilogy. Like if you take away the music, the movies aren't the same. And here's the biggest test to compare the original three movies. The first three movies have very similar scores. I mean, they build over time and there's differences. Uh, And by the end of the third one, the third one has so much score. It's so epic and beautiful and had so much more money to work with. Compare that to Scream 4, where Scream 4 is very light in, in its music, whereas The original trilogy, it's soulful, it's dark, it's melancholic. You have specific things like Sid's theme, Dewey's theme. And in Scream 4, you don't really have that. And Scream 4, in my mind, is different tonally than the original trilogy. And that's been a huge thing for me as a fan to overcome, was the change in tone from 1 to 3 to 4. I love 4. I've really grown to love it. But I think it's the perfect example of how important the music is to these movies. With the new movie, the fifth movie, I actually got to speak to Brian Tyler about this, who was the composer for Scream 5. So I love the music in Scream 3. I just think it's the best music in the series. And he actually said that he borrowed, and he was inspired by the score in Scream 3, and specifically Sydney's traumatic arc in that film for the new movie. I was actually very touched by that. He and I were on the same wavelength when it came to talking about 
Sydney Prescott and how important, how to convey her characterization through music. I certainly think there's a lot of elements there that really move you in the way that a film does. Films, I feel, are nothing without music. There's just something about that. And you certainly articulate that through that arc. The music is there. And, and with music, there's something about that opening sequence of the first film with Drew Barrymore, who plays Casey. It stands out to me as one of the more iconic moments, obviously, because it was so new at the time, right? We hadn't seen anything like it. I think for me, there's just something iconic about how heart-wrenching it is in terms of the franchise and that sequence that has that push and pull of your heart because the parents are on the phone. They can hear their daughter. They don't know where she is. So I'm curious if you feel that's ever been recreated for you in any of the films after. I think it's captured a lot of people's imagination, but has there been one sequence that you feel is equal to that through the franchise? So uh, if I could give my perspective on the Casey Becker sequence, I, I think that the sequence is very scary and it does such a great job of peeling off different layers of fear. Take the music out of that sequence. It's still, it's still amazing. The music really enhances that and makes it absolutely terrifying. The reason that sequence is so effective on a musical level is they really peel off different layers of fear throughout that sequence. It's very specific from whenever she's on the phone, whenever she's crying, whenever she's being chased in the house, being chased outside, and then the parents, like you said. And then like there's that big dramatic um, emotional arc with her parents at the end. I actually don't recognize the opening as the as the most impressive with the music, actually. Okay. I would say the most memorable musical sequences for me are in the third film involving Sydney's character. I think Sid's theme, which they carry throughout the first three movies, is really, really well done, but they really get it right in the third film. My favorite tracks in the, in the third film are, it's called All in the Family, which is when Sydney and Roman are having their last big brutal fight and that has just so much momentum in it it's the energy in that sequence is amazing but probably more so is Sid wears a dress which is the last the last bit of the film where Dewey and Gail get engaged and Sydney opens the gates that's objectively the best musical moment in the series the whole arc of Sydney of Sydney comes through in that final shot of her opening the gates and then not being afraid with the door and the music with that is just so epic It's, it's such a fitting ending for the trilogy. Yeah, you feel very good at, at the very end of it with horror films. I, I think the nice part about Scream is you often find that there is a conclusion and you don't feel uncomfortable at the end. There are like there is room for that in horror films, but I feel like it is nice to, to get that mm-hmm. happy ending. But I do find like horror films as well being satisfying when there is something looming still. You do find that most of the films wrap it up in a bow. That is Hollywood. (laughs) It was just nice to see that, like you say, that arc fulfilled towards the end of her finding peace. In your podcast, you talk about who are your favorite characters. They're family to all of us. What is it to you for each character, maybe a trait or something that you really find endearing I guess about each of the trio for you before I answer this question I do want to say I actually have an entire episode based on the music of Scream you ready for this never 
So in terms of the trio, I do love them all dearly. I go back and forth with Sydney and Gail, which one I prefer because I love them so much and they're different. They have different strengths. If I had to say a trait that I liked about each of them. Uh, I needed a place to stay and she said she liked having me around. Why? She says I make her feel safe. She says I'm her rock. Her rock? Yeah. If you weren't so concerned with pretensions and appearances, you'd be able to appreciate the positivity and emotional centeredness I provide a woman. Um, the trait about Dewey, I'll, I'll start with him because it's like the most fresh in my head, is this idea of courage. And I think it's exposed in the final film. His entire arc is built on this idea of courage and that he was a coward in his marriage and he's redeemed. He's the warm person who keeps everybody afloat. And that's what I love most about him. Hi, this is Gail Weathers with an exclusive eyewitness account of this amazing breaking story. The thing I love about Gail is how much she evolves. She is so complex and she is a completely different person in each of the five movies. And it's consistent. Like she changes from one to two, two to three. And that's all very consistent throughout. She's very different. And I, I love that about her. I love her strength and I love her determination. I feel like that's the best word to describe Gail and just how smart she is and how driven she is because I can identify with Gail Weathers a lot on a personal level and in my daily life. It's as if you don't exist. That's the idea. Psychos can't kill what they can't find. With Sydney, I guess with Sydney, I would say soulful is how I think of her because I can identify with her in a very specific personal, deeply personal way as opposed to Gail, where Gail's more of like my outward personality. Sydney's like how I feel on the inside. Very soulful and again, strong, but in a different way than Gail. Because with Sydney, there's like these, there are these personal obstacles she has to overcome. Whereas Gail, she is strong as a leader. Whereas Sydney is strong because she has to be. And like the line, the last film, she says, I survived, I always do. You know, and there's this, I love how much Sydney grows and she develops over the series and how she becomes okay with all of the trauma and she grows as a person in that way. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that definitely gives me a sense for these characters. And, and there is a good reason for that, right? Like they're all dynamic in their own ways. Okay, so what do you want to do, bonehead? You just want to sit here and wait and see who drops next? Well, I don't know. Bonehead. Certainly with your saying of Dewey being courageous, I just think him and Gail and their relationship is almost a character as well in, in the film. At least that's what I see observationally. Especially in the second one, there's a lot of play back and forth. Well, I, I guess throughout, they work through those arcs, which is the magic of Scream. <laughs> well, and so can I, can I ask you a question? I mean, I, you know, sure. on that note, the best scene in Five, in my opinion, is the scene with Dewey and Gail, whenever they kind of get their closure and they explore what happened in their marriage it answers a couple of questions while setting up dewey's arc that happens in the next scene during the hospital while mm -hmm. resolving this big relationship that we've seen over the four films it's so epic and big and that you said it's like a character in and of itself i love that scene that's my favorite scene that's your favorite of the new film hey Mm -hmm. So what did you think of it? What, how do you think that that relationship was resolved? I feel satisfied in the way that it was resolved. I think you're always rooting. <laughs> you know, when there is those relationships in film and television, you, you do want them to succeed in some way. And certainly there is resolution there. 
obviously we don't want to reveal this for anybody who hasn't seen it quite yet, like where, where this all goes, but certainly for me, I felt good about where they ended up. Honestly, I think it's even, I think it's one of the most emotional scenes in the film. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I bawled the entire time through it, even from the moment the conversation starts and the where it goes emotionally and the Arquette Cox marriage they got to resolve some issues. I guess I want to kind of twist that on its head a bit and do a little bit of a reversal in terms of the question and ask you, is there a character that you particularly (laughs) disliked or maybe felt like you welcomed their demise in Scream? I hated the character of Liv in the new film. The two girls in the opening of Scream 4, I also really strongly disliked. But I, I hated Lynn. I went in with an open mind with her, but the way that she's written is kind of counteractive to how she's portrayed and characterized like through her outfits and look and like, it doesn't make sense. She's just a bizarre character and not well-written or not exercised properly. A part of me wishes that she wasn't even in it. So I was kind of thinking about the storied franchises like Halloween, where they keep coming back to Jamie Lee Curtis and seem to kind of rely on that in terms of like riding the wave of Jamie Lee for those films. So I'm just curious in your mind, like, do you think setting aside revealing anything about the fifth film for anybody who hasn't seen it, could Scream go on without Sydney? Do you think the trio, like, could they move away from them after this film? Or do you think if they come back to Scream, it should still focus on our trio. It's a tricky question, obviously, because they're near and dear to a lot of people who love Scream, including yourself and myself, but. I'm biased. <laughs> no, but like, no, for real. I, I, there's There are three ways that this could go. So I'm gonna refer to the trio. If we're doing non-spoilers, I'll just refer to the trio as whoever survives Scream 5 from the trio, that's who I'm talking about. Yeah, I think there are three different paths for the future of the series. One is the surviving members of the trio come back for Scream 6 and 7, business as usual, or in the way, not to keep comparing this to Star Wars, but the way that Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia did for the second two movies in that, in that new trilogy. Normal, okay? Like, just like this movie. Two, they just come back in small cameos. We just get a check-in with them. We see Gail on the TV. Sydney gets a call from Sam at one point. That's it. You know, that's fine too. Three, they don't come back at all. It's just the Carpenters. Honestly, I think any of these three could happen, but the fact that Nev Campbell is pushing to come back (laughs) in the news, I mean, I don't know if that, that will count as a spoiler because she's being pretty open about it, but she says that she wants to come back. So right. I think as long as she wants to, she will, and they will, they will find a way to make, make her slash the trio necessary to whatever storyline they pursue. Yeah, I believe the only way she wants to come back is if she continues to be a survivor, because I think that's important to people. Mm-hmm. This idea of like surviving all of this, <laughs> certainly having to revisit that again and again. <laughs> For any normal person, it would be tough. I think they will find a way to do it right. You know, no matter, they will feature her in a way that is true to Sydney, that is true to some version of reality. And they're going to put the story first because what happens in Scream 5 and how the trio is used there, I think that they're used very organically and the people who are in the finale of 5 
are there for a specific reason. So I have faith, but honestly, if they don't come back, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would actually be comfortable with the new characters leaving. Like I thought Melissa Barrera and Jenna mm-hmm. Ortega did an amazing job. And if they are going to lead and Sydney and Gail sit on the sidelines, I think I'm actually okay with that. Like the new filmmakers did their job in that respect. They definitely made us invest in new characters for sure. That was something I was curious to explore with you, this idea of potentially moving away from from that. But it has been a formula for success because, like you said, the the characters, there's just something we gravitate towards with them. Or we just want to know more, right? (laughs) Uh, There's certainly a desire there to dive deeper into some of these characters. Yeah. And I think that the way this movie ends sets up whatever path they want to take. Yeah. yeah, they certainly open it up for new stories, that's for sure. Yeah. Thanks for joining us here on CGSR 88.5. I'm Lucas Anders, your correspondent with Moving Radio. Thanks for being with us here today, Ryan. No problem. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And if anybody wants to listen to any more Scream-related deep dives, you know, you can find me. I'm at Scream with Ryan C. Showers anywhere you get podcasts. And I'm on Twitter at Scream with RCS. Hello? What's your favorite scary movie?